The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Vandah. Namslanje. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Still talking about divine health, our divine privilege. Amen. And man, this has been a blessing to me because it is indeed God's will for you and I uh, to live our lives in health. Uh, It is uh, something that Jesus has already paid for on the cross. Uh, God wants you and me uh, to live at the place of divine health. Someone say divine health. Notice I say divine health uh, because in the body of Christ, uh, divine healing is more celebrated than divine health. Uh, when people are miraculously healed, uh, they will almost throw a party for the miraculous healing and rightly so. I'm not criticizing that. But when people go a year without getting sick, they hardly ever celebrate that. Because we don't realize that it is a blessing from God for us to uh, have divine health. Now, when I say divine health, we're talking about you living in a place of health simply uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? Not because, which is great, not because of what you eat. I mean, you must eat healthy. I'm not knocking that. Not because of how much you exercise. You definitely must exercise. I'm not knocking that. But we're talking about divine health, which comes to you purely uh, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? Uh, just in case you don't eat right or you don't exercise right, uh, what happens to you? You can tap into divine uh, health because of what Jesus did on the cross. So the Bible says in 3 John 1 from verse 1 to 4. 3 John 1 from verse 1 to 4. I think we can switch it off. 3 John 1 from verse 1 to 4. This is uh, the Apostle John uh, uh, speaking. And he says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And he goes on to say in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Notice he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper. Or if you're reading in the original King James classic, he says, I pray above all things that you may prosper. So it is God's wish, it is God's will that we prosper. And beyond that, it is also God's will and God's wish that we are in good health. And this is uh, because for you to accomplish uh, the purposes and the callings of God in your life, you're going to need a healthy body. Amen? Uh, God has given to every single one of us in here a calling and a purpose that when you step into, you'll be able to change people's lives radically. You'll be able to leave a mark that cannot be erased on this earth. 
And God wants you to do that efficiently by being in health. How many of you realize that you cannot accomplish that in ICU? Uh, intensive care unit. Amen? You cannot minister the gospel in ICU. So God's will for you is for you to be in good health. It is for you to prosper. But it's interesting what he says in this verse. He says, even as thy soul prospers, or to the degree that you renew your mind to it. Amen? And he goes on to say in verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, even as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So it's not just good enough. Uh, it's not good enough for you to just be able to quote Third John 1 verse 2. Uh, you know, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. The apostle John says, I greatly rejoiced when I found out that not only could you quote it, you were actually walking in it. In other words, you were actually living it. You were living in the reality of prosperity and uh, walking in the truth of being in good health. Amen. He says, man, when I found out that you were actually tasting to see that the Lord is good, you were actually uh, manifesting it, I greatly rejoiced. Amen. And so you and I have to live at this place where we continuously manifest the promises of God, uh, particularly in this series, uh, the promise of being in divine health. Can I get an amen? amen. And it says here uh, in my notes, uh, the Old Testament uh, in types and shadows shows us uh, what would become of our relationship with Jesus. So we can look in the Old Testament and see different types and shadows that were all pointing to Jesus. One of them is, you know, the, the ram caught in the thicket. You remember the story? And that ram is representing Jesus himself who was crucified on the cross. Last week we talked about uh, the brazen serpent being lifted up. If you read from John 3, from verse 14 to uh, 16, uh, Jesus said, I am actually that brazen serpent that when you look to the cross, you will receive life or you will receive healing. And uh, one of the things that also depict our relationship with God, uh, particularly, you know, us New Testament uh, believers, is when the children of Israel were transitioned from the land of slavery and bondage, which is Egypt, over here to the land that flows with milk and honey. It is a, a, a metaphor, a type and a shadow of your relationship with God from being a sinner. The Bible calls it being dead in your trespasses. Ephesians chapter number 2. If you don't know Jesus, you are dead. Amen. According to the Bible. You know, they had a movie a few years ago called Dead Men Walking. There's a lot of dead men walking according to the Bible. Because the only thing that makes you alive or the only thing that transitions you from death to life is having a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. I said amen. So when the children of Israel were moved from, you know, Egypt over there to the promise, uh, the promised land which flows with milk and honey, it's similar to you being born again. And the Bible says in Colossians 1, 12 to 13, depicting that, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Colossae. He says, I give thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us 
into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice everything in this verse is past tense. He says God has translated us, past tense. He's already done it. It's a done deal. God has moved you from the kingdom of darkness over here into the kingdom of his dear son, also known as the kingdom of light. And Jesus went on to confirm this uh, in Matthew chapter number 5, I believe verse 13. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Notice he didn't say, God is trying to make you a light. He said, you are already the light of the world. You have already been translated from darkness, from the kingdom that is being dominated by everything that darkness has to offer and sickness being a part of it. He says he has translated you from the dominion of darkness, poverty being a part of it. He says he has translated you from this kingdom, just like the children of Israel had to make bricks with straw or saliva. You know, they didn't give them water. He said, we need you to make a quarter of your bricks, uh, but here's how you're going to do it. You're going to use your own saliva to mix the cement so you can make the bricks. Hard labor, God translated them from that place into a place that flows with milk and honey. So did he translate you. From having to being dead and under the dominion of sickness, he moved you into a place where you are the light of the world. Man, I like that. You know, everyone else, uh, every other religion, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. But if you look at every other religion, what they are attaining or what they are attempting to achieve, that's where we start off. You know, they keep all these rules and regulations so that they can be accepted by their deity. We start off at the place of acceptance. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.6, you are already accepted in the beloved. Because of what Jesus did. So what they're trying to attain, that's where we start off. That's our starting point. God has already blessed us. He has already called us the light into a dying world. Do you know what he did with the children of Israel when there was three days of darkness on the face of the earth in the land of Egypt? It says there were three days of darkness as a plague. And the children of Israel, in the place that they lived, there was light. And that place is called Goshen. While everyone else were bumping heads in darkness, the children of Israel lived in the light of God. How many of you realize that the world is bumping heads in confusion? I mean, I was was with my wife in Los Angeles, and it's a funny story. Because I saw these shoes, really nice, you know, uh, uh, Nike shoes, and they had rainbow on them. And I said, you know what, I want to get these shoes, because guess what? Every time I look down, I'm going to be reminded of the promise that God gave that he will never again flood the earth. And he gave us a sign. You know what that sign was? The rainbow. And my wife said, you can't do that in Los Angeles. I said, why? He said, because men are going to be following you around. (laughs) And I went and, you know, I shared this with uh, Mignonet and Karim, some of our friends in Los Angeles. And they said, dude, you can't wear a rainbow in Los Angeles. I said, man, this is pitiful. The world is bumping heads in confusion. The rainbow does not stand for that. The rainbow stands for the goodness and the kindness of God. Amen. Amen. That just shows you that the world is in darkness. And we are the light of the world. Mm. A city set upon the hill that cannot be hidden. 
you know, we started watching TV. I mean, there's just so much confusion. We decided we were going to watch this game show called uh, Cash Cab. And, you know, we were starting watching Cash Cab, and, you know, you're testing your knowledge, your general knowledge, and they ask questions, and, you know, you see if you know these questions and give you points and so on and so forth. But I kid you not, it's not an exaggeration. Every single advert that came after that was two things. A medicine, they were selling medicine, and they were selling, uh, uh, lawyers were selling their services. You know, because people are either sick or they need, they're getting sued <laughs> or they're suing someone so they can take advantage of them. Amen. And here's what was interesting about the medicine that they were selling. They were giving out all these kinds, all these symptoms. And I mean, they were saying crazy stuff like, you know, if you shaved last week and you have a razor bum, you may have this. <laughs> And you may need to go to your doctor and ask him to prescribe this for you. They would give you like three in a row. Sure. To the point where, I mean, I watched this so much. So I started looking at myself. I said, honey, I may have this. <laughs> and she said, I think you need to stop watching this. Because <laughs> guess what? The world is in darkness. The world is in confusion. And they are constantly putting out stuff to invite us into their darkness. And as children of God, we need to be the light of the world. That's what Jesus is saying. We need to go into places of darkness and shine the light and tell the world that there is a better way to live than pills to go to sleep, pills to get up, and pills to stay up. And that better way is called Jesus. When you have a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You can start walking in the light. He said, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. God has called you and I to be the light of the world and to live in the place of light. Now watch what happens in the next verse, verse 15. This is good. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or a basket, but on a candlestick. None of us in here will light a candle and put it under a basket. That's ignorance, gone to seed, amen? Ignorance to the power 18. <laughs> That's a lot of ignorance. You know, none of us will do that. Yeah. Amen? He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that is in the house. Now watch what he says in verse 16. It's about to get real good. Let your light shine before men. Notice it didn't say work your light to shine before men. He just said the light is already there. All you have to do is to let it. He says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see your good works. They may begin to see you walking in divine health and they will begin to want, to want what you have. And watch what happens. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. So God is calling us to a relationship where we just walk a certain way. I'm not talking about being aggressive. Sometimes religious people are the worst at preaching the gospel because we are just so judgmental and we harass people in the name of Jesus. And I remember the one time when I started learning about divine healing and divine health, it was so crazy I wouldn't walk past a a sick person or, you know, someone with a, with a plaster in the mall, I'm trying to grab them and pray for them. They don't want your prayers. <laughs> Man, I'd feel bad passing, you know, people that are in crutches. Hey, can you can I pray? I don't want to be prayed by, for by you. <laughs> you know, but there's a better way to influence them. It is to let your light shine. Amen. That's good. 
It's called influence. When you bring light into a place of darkness, darkness cannot comprehend it. You don't have to be aggressive. All you have to do is to start walking in the way that God has called you to walk. And guess what? That light will begin to illuminate and show people the right way to walk. Amen? You know, influence, I always influence my friends and they influence me. We influence each other in different ways. You know, some of my pastor friends, we influence each other. And, and, and I was sharing in the first service, one of the uh, uh, things I noticed about some of my friends, Ashley Teradez in particular, was that when he came last year for Designer Life in in, in 2018, Designer Life 2018 last year, he was a gentleman, man, just gentleman. He wears leather shoes and, and, and <laughs> you know, uh, pants and a shirt. You know, he doesn't wear any, any of the stuff that I like to wear. And, and, and I was just being me, you know, I like to be me. And I was at the conference at Designer Life wearing my Air Jordan One Bread Toes. Man, this shoe is clean. I'm telling you the truth. And I was just minding my own business wearing my shoes and, you know, just walking in them. And there's a certain way you walk in Jordans that, you know, <laughs> there's a certain way, you've, you know, you can't lose in those shoes. So I'm just walking in these shoes. And, uh, and, and a few months later, you know, Ashley went back home and he sent me a picture. He said, PT, you won't believe what I picked up today. I said, what? He said, I just picked up them clean air Jordan ones. <laughs> what happened? It's called influence. He just watched how I walked and decided I also want to walk the same way. Amen. And I'm telling you, as a child of God, all you have to do is to start walking in the promises of God and the world will look at you and say, you know what, I also want to walk in these promises. You don't have to force it on them. You just have to let your light shine. This is a kingdom way. Now, if you read in verse 12 of the same verse, uh, Jesus said something. He says, you are the salt of the world. And he said, if the salt loses its saltiness, what will happen to it? It's, go- it's a good for nothing. It's a good for nothing salt. I hadn't even seen that. <laughs> it's a good for, did you see that? It's a good for nothing kind of brother. <laughs> see this? Man, it's a good for nothing, you're trifling. But anyway, he says it's a good for nothing salt, but to be cast out and to be trodden under food. Now, what's interesting about salt sure. is salt, if you ask the scientists here, will tell you, salt, sodium and chloride, or sodium chloride, will never lose its saltiness. So scientists read this verse and they got confused. What is Jesus talking about if it loses its saltiness? Essentially, what Jesus is saying is, you'll never lose your identity in Christ. You'll never lose the power of God that he already deposited on the inside of you. You'll never lose the calling and the anointing that God has already placed on you. But you can lose operating in it. Man, that's good. And when you stop operating in it, he says you've lost your influence to change people's lives. And because of that, you can go through life And not actually change people's lives because you've stopped just letting the light shine. The light of the good news of God. Amen? Amen. Now, let's look at something else. Let's go to Psalms 105. We're going to read verse 37. Someone shout, I am the light. light. Wherever I show up, there is healing. There is prosperity. There is kindness. There is honesty. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Whenever I show up, there's some influence, there's salt. It says in Psalm 105, verse 37, talking about the children of Israel, which is also, you know, a type and shadow of our relationship. When he brought us out into, from the world, 
He also brought them out with what? Silver and gold. So that part is prosperity. God redeemed you from poverty. Just like he redeemed the children of Israel from slavery. Can you imagine people who had been in slavery over 417 years? When they came out, God blessed them with silver and gold. But here's what's interesting about when he finished doing that, he put them in a desert where they couldn't spend the silver and gold. Because he wanted to make a point. That it's not the silver and the gold that takes care of you. You may have all the silver and all the gold in the world, but I'm still your source. Amen? I'm still the one that feeds you. And sometimes this is where we miss it when we start prospering in God. We start putting our confidence and our trust in the silver and the gold. But no, the silver and the gold is not what looks after you. It is God who looks after you. So he brought them out uh, with silver and with gold. And the second part of this redemptive work was, and there was none feeble amongst his tribes. In other words, there was no one sick. There was no one weak amongst all the children of Israel. Why? Because they were all walking and living in divine health. And these were people who lived under an inferior covenant. You and I live in a better covenant, established on better promises. If they could claim healing, guess what? You too can claim healing. You too can claim divine health because it is God's will for you. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 1 verse 16. Romans chapter number 1, verse 16 to 17. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the church at Rome under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, therein the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live how? By faith. Notice he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation in the Greek is the Greek word soteria, which means prosperity, physically and spiritually. It also means to be delivered from danger. It also means health. It also means to be preserved. It also means eternal life. And it also means to be made whole. Someone shout, I am prosperous. prosperous. Physically Physically. and spiritually. spiritually. Someone shout, I am preserved. I am am delivered from danger. I am am healthy. And I am made whole. That's what you're saying when you say I'm a saved Christian. When you say I'm saved, it means I'm prospered. It means I'm healed. It means I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. It means I'm delivered from life-threatening situations. It means I'm preserved. But we have relegated this to only one thing. I'm going to heaven. You know, most of the time when Christians say I'm saved, they imply I'm going to heaven. And they only take one benefit out of the whole package. Yeah. You know, when I got my first job, uh, I, I worked for Kodak. And, uh, you know, when I got my first job, they gave me my first contract. I remember uh, the day vividly sitting in his office, my boss at the time, and he gave me a contract to sign. And amongst the packages, the packs that w- would come with the job was, you know, a monthly salary. Uh, they were going to give me a company car. 
and they were going to give me a commission if I meet a certain target. Uh, they were going to give me medical aid. Uh, they were going to give me a pension and uh, so many other perks. And uh, when, you know, I signed the contract, uh, all those things were due to me. And I can assure you this morning that I did not donate any one of the packs back to the company. <laughs> I took all of them. Uh, and sometimes I felt like I deserved more. Yes. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Jesus has given you the salvation package. Yeah, right. And some of us have turned away the rest of the package yeah. and you only hold on to one. I'm going to heaven. I'm going, praise God, I'm going. Can you imagine, man, get signing that contract and I don't read the contract and I don't realize that it's supposed to come with the company. I could have been walking all the days of my life when the contract said, can you imagine forgetting to read the part where it says, I am entitled to a monthly salary on the 28th of every month. The only thing I would read is, I deserve coffee. You know, the free coffee? They, they do free coffee? Free coffee. And some of you have relegated this thing to free coffee and teas at 11 in the morning, and you forget about the monthly salary. And some of you are going hungry, but you don't realize the covenant. Ooh, the covenant has got you covered. Amen. God wants to provide for your needs as much as he wants to heal your body. Man, you need to take the whole package. When I found out that the salvation package included all of these, man, I wanted it all. I found out that there was a peace, a supernatural peace that God would give me that goes beyond what the circumstances dictate. And I wanted it too. Amen? Amen. I found out divine healing was a part of the plan. I wanted it too. You know why? Because it's a part of the salvation package. The word salvation is not just limited to living forever in the afterlife. Everybody lives forever in the afterlife. In different locations, of course. (laughs) But everybody lives forever. Salvation is more a quality of days than it is a quantity of days. And God has put a quality of days into your life through his salvation package. Man, I'm delivered from life-threatening situations. Amen? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let let us go now to Mark chapter number 5. We're going to read from verse 26. Mark chapter number 5, verse 26 to 34. Uh, I want to read this in the Amplified Bible, if you don't mind. It's talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Remember the story? It says, uh, she had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent how much? All that she had. See, sometimes uh, sickness and disease comes to steal the rest of your life. I mean, I thought she was just sick. But the Bible says, well, not only was she sick, she had also spent uh, how much? All that she had. The picture that I get is she probably had to sell her house to get some of the uh, 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 medical you know, help. She probably had to sell her car. She probably had to sell her children (laughs) into slavery. She probably had to sell her soul. She sold everything that she had, and she was left with nothing. And she didn't get better. But instead, what happened? She grew worse. Verse 27. 
when she heard the reports concerning Jesus. Did you read that? She heard the reports concerning Jesus. I can assure you that she did not hear a report that said, sometimes God puts sickness on you to teach you a lesson. Because that's not going to encourage you. How many of you would really say, you know what? I got encouraged hearing this uh, uh, story that sometimes God is the one who's doing it to you when you are sick. Man, that's not encouraging. You know what story she heard? She probably heard the story from Acts 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's the story she heard of how Jesus did good. And guess what? It encouraged her. When she heard about Jesus. And I can guarantee you that she did not hear this at the 8 o'clock news. She didn't hear this in CNN. She didn't hear this on uh, 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 Scandal. No, she heard this from the word of God. Amen? And watch what happened when she heard this. It stirred up a faith on the inside of her. Man, when you hear the true story concerning the gospel, when you hear the true story concerning Jesus, it's going to stir up your faith on the inside of you for the rest of the salvation package. Amen? Amen. When she heard the reports concerning Jesus, she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. Verse 28. For she kept saying, If I only touch his garments... I shall be restored to what? To health. And I've heard, you know, preachers uh, say a whole lot of things about the garments. If you read in the original King James, it would say, you know, she touched the hem of his garment. You know the story? It says she touched the hem. And I've heard people, you know, try to explain it and say, uh, you know, um, you know the, 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 the anointing is poured from the head and, and the bulk of the anointing oil rest in the hem of the garment. So when you touch the hem, you know, the, uh, come on, just get her, you know, none of that. What happened was she just decided the way she was going to receive from God was to touch it. She could have touched his collar. She was determined by faith that if I can have a contact with Jesus, it doesn't matter where I touch, I'm going to get healed. So she decided she just, probably because the hem was easier to touch more, you know, more uh, 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 conspicuous because she wasn't even allowed to be in public, let alone touch, uh, you know, the man Jesus. So she probably decided, you know what, if I touch his collar, everybody's going to, it's going to blow up my cover for all I know. So let me sneak up on him and touch the ham because everybody is up here. Then I touch the ham down there and no one's going to see me. And guess what? She did that and she got healed. And Jesus tells us why she got healed. It was not because of the ham. It was because of something else. And you, I mean, it would help if you kept reading. You'd find out really why she got healed. Verse 29. And immediately a flow of blood was dried up at the source. And suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of a distressing ailment. Notice it says, it said plague. Did you see that? In the previous verses. These are descriptive words for sickness. None of them say blessing. He says she was plagued. You know, Acts 10, verse 38 says it's an oppression. And now it's saying it's a distressing ailment. Yeah. You won't find it in scripture where it says it's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you, you, tomorrow is a public holiday. I can give you a full day to look it up tomorrow. 
You won't find a place where, the, where it says sickness is a blessing. Yeah. It's not a blessing. It's not even a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Amen. It's distressing ailment. And Jesus has made healing available for you. Verse 30. Watch what happened. And Jesus, recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Next verse. And the disciples kept saying to him, You see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides, and you asked, Who touched me? So there were many other people touching him. <laughs> Do you know what was different about this woman's touch? It was intentional. Yeah. She knew why she was touching him. She wanted to draw power out of him so she could get healed. And that was different about this touch. Next verse, verse 32. Still, he kept looking around to see her who had done it. Next verse. But the woman, knowing that what had been done for her, through, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I came to you and I touched your clothes, hoping to get healed, and I got healed. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your what? Notice he didn't say daughter, the hem of the garment. (laughs) Or the anointing in the hem of the garment. Did you see that? He says, daughter, your what? Your faith. Because guess what? Healing was already available by grace. Romans chapter number 5 verse 2. But she accessed it by faith. Man, that's good. How many of you realize that healing is already available? All you have to do is believe. And access it. Man, that's good. It says, your faith, what is that faith? Your trust and confidence in me. That's what faith is. Having a trust and a confidence in Jesus and what he did on the cross. How many of you realize that Jesus didn't do a half job on the cross? He was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Paid in full. That was a complete J-O-B. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. And when you put your confidence and your trust in Jesus, springing from faith in God, he says that has restored you to to health. Now watch what he said. Go into peace and be continually healed. There's a thing in the kingdom of God called called being continually healed. Because she could have been healed and gone back to being sick. Jesus gave her a clear instruction. Be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily dis-ease. Because that's what it does. It causes you to be uh, not at ease. That's what sickness. I've never met anyone who's comfortable being sick. Man, it's, it's, it's not nice when, you're, when you have a flu and your, your, you know, your, your nasal uh, 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 you know, pathways are blocked and you can't breathe properly and you know it's just just not cool i don't like it when you're coughing all the time i don't like it it's a distressing bodily disease amen in closing let's go to mark chapter number 16 verse 17 to 18 thank you jesus i love it i love it i love it i love it This is Jesus uh, giving final instructions to his disciples. And he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Did you read that? Mm -hmm. Notice notice he didn't say, uh, them that believe shall chase around signs and wonders. (laughs) 
There's a misnomer when believers are chasing around people for signs and wonders. It's abnormal. He says these signs shall follow them that believe. That means all you have to do is to be obsessed about believing. That's all you have to do. If you obsess about believing this report, if you obsess about believing what Jesus says about you, what he says about you in his word, what he says about you uh, uh, through the finished work of the cross, guess what? The signs and the wonders will begin to chase you around. It says these signs shall follow them that believe. What signs? In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Next verse. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink, notice it didn't say, you know, they should tempt God to drink any deadly poisonous thing. You know, you don't have to drink any deadly thing to try and prove to us that you are a true man of God. He says if you by accident drink any deadly poisonous thing, it shall not hurt you. Amen. Amen. They shall lay hands on the sick. And what happens to the sick? Man, do you believe this? He says, all you have to do is to become a believer. And if you are, how many believers, I wonder how many believers do I have in the house today? The Bible says about you, it doesn't even say you shall pray for the sick. Did you see that? He says you shall lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. That's good. All you have to do is to be a believer. Man, you could have been, you know, next week, uh, in about three weeks' time, uh, Grace in the Marketplace, we're going to be teaching you so many things. And one of the things I know we're going to teach you is that, you know, financial prosperity, you know, having lots of money in your bank is not an overnight thing. You know, it's going to take time. It's going to take 10 years, for some of you 20, for some of you 30, but you're going to get to it. You're going to get to that place where you have lots and lots and lots of money in the bank, and it's going to take time. And we're going to tell you the truth. That it will take time. You need to uh, change your habits around, you know, the way you spend money and so on and so forth. But this does not take time. This can happen today. Right now, while you're sitting where you're sitting, you can flip the switch, become a believer, and believe this. That signs and wonders will follow me. As you walk out of this door, you can walk out that man, that woman, who believes that if I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. This does not take time. You don't have to invest in any habits. You don't have to mod, uh, modify any of your behavior. All you have to do is believe it. Amen. Someone shout, I believe, I believe this. If I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Notice it didn't say there's a good chance they will recover. He uses a legal term. Shall recover. In other words, there is no other way about it. When you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And some of you get discouraged because you don't realize the word says recover. And when people don't get immediately healed, you have this voice that torments you in the back of your head. And it tells you nothing has happened. The Bible didn't say you shall lay hands on the sick And something will happen immediately. He said, but the power of God has already been deposited on the inside of them. As you walk away, you can be rest assured that they are going to recover. In fact, Jesus was praying for this blind man, laid hands on him, 
and took his hands off. The power of God started working on the inside of this blind man. He asked the blind man, what do you see? And the man said, I see men walking as trees. And Jesus laid his hands again on him. And when he laid his hands again on him, guess what? They were completely healed. What happened? The process of recovery had started in the first step when he laid hands. But Jesus didn't stop laying hands. You know why? Because as you lay hands, you're transferring the power of God. See, some of you give up on the first step. When they say, I see men walking like trees, they say, I knew it. <laughs> it doesn't work. I went to that church and they, 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 that, they're crazy people. Them, that, I always knew it. Them people, they told me that I could lay hands on the sick. and the, It doesn't work. I tried it. It doesn't work. No, it did work. You know what you should have done? You should have stood in your faith. Yeah. You should have stood in that pocket of being a believer and not a doubter. Shout, I'm a believer. Shout, I believe this stuff. Let me tell you, you're already weird. Some of you think I'm weird. You are already weird too. Because you believe a story that says you can put a confidence and trust in a man who died on the cross and that man was raised up on the third. Man, you're weird. (laughs) And you believe that you're going to go to a place someday and live in heaven forever where everything is going to be perfect. Man, that sounds like a weird story. So you're already weird. You better believe another weird that comes with a package. If you lay hands on the sick, they recover. Because there's nothing natural or normal about what we believe. Amen? I said amen. amen. So as we leave this morning, I want to I wanna, I wanna encourage you to start living in this place of belief. Simple belief. As you walk out of this place. In fact, it works. For the most part, for people who haven't been in church for long enough to be taught unbelief. I've seen it. If someone gets born again today, we teach them this scripture. They're crazy enough to believe it and they do it. And guess what? It works for them. But for those who have been in church long enough and have been trained to walk by sight and not by faith. Pastor, I tried it and it didn't. How do you know it didn't work? Because you lay hands on someone and they go away. Guess what? The process of recovery has started. It may take a day. It may take two days. It may take three weeks. Just because it didn't happen immediately does not mean the power of God did not go on the inside of them to do the work. The Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they recover. Man, I believe this stuff. That's why when someone calls me and they say they're in the hospital, I tell them, can I come and lay hands on you? Because I believe this stuff. And I believe when I lay hands on them, they recover. God uses the foolish things of man to confound the wise. And this works. Jesus laid hands on them and they recovered. And this is not reserved for the special Christians. This is not reserved for the apostles. This is not reserved for the prophets, the pastors, and the teachers. That's what religion will tell you. This is for every regular Joe Blow Christian. Everybody is welcome to start walking in this truth. When people get sick around you, I want to challenge you. Lay hands on them. 
And I'm telling you, they're going to recover. Say, let me pray for you. And you don't even have to pray a long prayer. Just say, Jesus, by your finished work, I thank you that they are healed. Amen. And ask them to check themselves. If it doesn't kick in immediately, don't give up. If you meet them the next day, guess what? You do the same. (laughs) If they die, you pray for the next one. Amen. Amen. Because there's going to be some casualties in war. It's a war. It's a battle. We don't quit because of our experience. We elevate our experience to what the Word of God says. Man, that's good. And keep elevating your experience to what the Word of God says. You're going to fail sometimes. You know, I'll be the first one to tell you, but guess what? We don't stop doing what the Word of God says we should do because of our experiences. We keep at it. Because Jesus cannot lie. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.